The Canadian Cardiovascular Harmonized National Guideline Endeavor, or C-Change for short, draws from nine cardiovascular-focused guidelines. The C-Change guideline contains best practices and assists primary care physicians in managing patients with heart disease or those at risk for heart disease. There is now an update to this guideline. I'm Dr. Diane Kelsall, Interim Editor-in-Chief for the Canadian Medical Association Journal, and today I'm speaking with two of the authors of the 2018 C-Change Update, published in CMAJ. Dr. Sheldon Tobe is a nephrologist and hypertension specialist, and Dr. Rahul Jain is a family physician. They're joining me today to speak about the guideline. I've reached them in Toronto. Welcome. Thanks so much. Hi, welcome, Diane. Let's begin with introductions. Can you tell our listeners a bit about who you are? Sheldon, why don't you go ahead first? Hi, my name's Sheldon Tobe, and I'm co-chair of the Sea change guideline process along with Peter Liu and James Stone. Uh, I'm a nephrologist at Sunnybrook Health Sciences Centre, and I'm a professor of medicine at both the University of Toronto and the Northern Ontario School of Medicine. I've been involved in clinical practice guidelines development and dissemination for almost 20 years, starting with hypertension and diabetes, I was present when Sea change was created in response to Elvin Smith's 2009 Canadian Heart Health Strategy. So Rahul, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? All right, thanks so much, Diane. So my name is Rahul Jain. I'm a family physician and hospitalist at Sunnybrook Health Sciences Centre and an assistant professor in the Department of Family and Community Medicine at the University of Toronto. I've had the privilege of working closely with Dr. Sheldon Tobe and the entire Sea change team over the past few years where I've learned a tremendous amount about guideline development and dissemination and share a particular interest in continuing professional development. In the introductory paragraph of this of the seed change guideline, you start with a striking statistic. You say that 90% of Canadians, that is almost all of us, still have suboptimal cardiovascular health. Can you elaborate on this? Yeah, I agree, Dan. That's a striking statistic, which was cited from a recent publication in the Canadian Journal of Cardiology, What's particularly interesting is that despite encouraging evidence of a decline in the overall burden of most atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease in Ontario over the past two decades, atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease remains among the leading cause of death in Canada, and 90% of Canadians have suboptimal cardiovascular health with at least one and often multiple cardiovascular risk factors. There are higher rates of obesity and diabetes and suboptimal control of hypertension, dyslipidemia, and blood glucose. In addition, it's quite concerning that younger Canadians had only modest declines in overall rates of cardiovascular burden and continue to present with many preventable cardiovascular risk factors at a very young age. I recently came across some information on Diabetes Canada, which mentioned Canada's facing a diabetes epidemic with one in three Canadians, so 11 million uh, Canadians living with diabetes or prediabetes, and young people at age 20 facing a one in two lifetime risk of developing diabetes. So although we should acknowledge and celebrate the major advancements in screening, prevention, and treatment of cardiovascular disease, there still remains a golden opportunity in further preventing and managing cardiovascular risk factors. Yeah, that one in two statistic is pretty uh, pretty shocking. So in light of this, I know you guys have put together, you and your team, this 2018 update for primary care practitioners. Now, Sheldon, you've been here from the beginning. Can you tell us a little bit about Sea change and how this particular guideline came together? Sure. Sea change is the Canadian Cardiovascular National Harmonized Guidelines Endeavour. It is an umbrella organization made up of Canada's nine leading cardiovascular clinical practice guidelines groups. There's the Smoking Cessation Group 
can adapt. The Canadian Cardiovascular Society's heart failure, as well as dyslipidemia management groups, the Cardiovascular Prevention and Rehab Society, CACPR, the Canadian Society for Exercise Physiology, Diabetes Canada, Hypertension Canada, Obesity Canada, and the Heart and Stroke Foundation's Stroke Best Practices. The goal of C-Change is to meet the needs of Canada's primary care practitioners by providing easy access to a comprehensive and usable set of harmonized guidelines drawn from these nine guidelines groups. This helps clinicians formulate treatment plans for patients, including those with multiple comorbidities. In principle, our process is simple. Start with the 24 C-Change guidelines, bring together the leads of the nine partner guideline groups, and ask what's new, what's old but still important, and if any of the old recommendations need to be removed. In practice, it's a complex process involving multiple steps using a modified Delphi approach, open lines of communication to all involved, and coordination of timing so as not to interfere with the partner guideline groups. C-Change is the Canadian Cardiovascular National Harmonized Guidelines Endeavour. It is an umbrella organization made up of Canada's nine leading cardiovascular clinical practice guidelines groups. Well, let's get into the recommendations. There are many, 77 actually, including 52 recommendations that are either new or updated. Now, we can't go through all of those today in this podcast. The full guideline is available on cmaj.ca. But today, let's focus on some of the highlights and the major changes in the guideline. First off, there's a new category for hypertension for those at high risk. What's the recommendation here? Thank you. This is a great example of the role for sea change. Hypertension Canada led the world in evaluating the SPRINT study and creating a new practice recommendation from it. You may recall that in 2015-2016, most of the world was turning towards higher blood pressure targets and thresholds, particularly for the elderly. Canada had resisted this trend, following the evidence closely. The SPRINT study randomized 9,361 participants over age 50 who had a high risk for cardiovascular disease, but no history of diabetes or stroke with baseline blood pressure, 130 millimeters of mercury or greater. And the target was less than 120 systolic versus less than 140 millimeters of mercury systolic. The goal was to follow these participants over six years with the main outcome a cardiovascular outcome, but also looking at whether the more intensive group prevented the strokes that lead to dementia. We were all surprised when the study was stopped just over three years, at 3.3 years, because it demonstrated a strong cardiovascular benefit. Major cardiovascular events were reduced by 25% and all-cause mortality by almost a third, with three-year numbers needed to treat of 60 and 90. SPRINT was determined to have strong internal and external validity, and in 2017, Hypertension Canada added a new hypertension recommendation for people who would be eligible for the SPRINT study, those with high cardiovascular risk, a Framingham risk score 15% or greater, age 75 or greater, or patients with chronic kidney disease, the kind of patients I see in my clinic. The blood pressure target for these people is now less than 120 millimeters of mercury. This was the first around the world. This recommendation has been included in sea change. Of interest, from an international standpoint, the recent American Heart Association 
hypertension guideline and the just released European guideline for hypertension has moved lower again following Canada's lead. Another major addition is the Diabetes Canada recommendation for people with diabetes whose blood sugar levels are not yet at target, who are also at higher cardiovascular risk. This new recommendation is to add one of the new diabetes treatments, either an SGLT2 inhibitor or a GLP-1 agonist, which not only improve blood glucose control, but also help to prevent cardiovascular disease, in particular, reducing heart failure. So those are substantial changes for, for family physicians and, and others in practice. Now, the, the guideline also has a focus on a healthy behaviors, diet, and on lifestyle. What, what would be the highlights in the guideline on that? Thanks, Anne. So multifaceted care for patients with cardiovascular risk includes the cornerstones of health behavior change, such as healthy eating and regular physical activity. Although some patients joke it's easier to pop in a pill each morning than go to the gym, the benefits of healthy behavior interventions go way beyond preventing and managing cardiovascular risk factors to also enhance mood, strength, and overall wellness. Changes in recommendations regarding health behaviors include recognition that high sodium intakes, or more than 6 grams per day, are associated with worse cardiovascular outcomes, particularly in people with hypertension. Avoiding a diet high in sodium and aiming for a total daily sodium intake towards 2 grams, which is equivalent to 5 grams or 1 teaspoon of table salt per day, is recommended in patients at risk or with established hypertension. Unfortunately, the average Canadian consumption exceeds this amount, with over 80% of sodium intake coming from processed foods. With respect to dietary intake, maintaining sufficient calories for a healthy body weight and consuming a diet that's enjoyable and culturally appropriate is an overarching goal. A combination of healthy diet combined with regular physical activity can prevent conditions such as type 2 diabetes mellitus. Another point for health behaviors would be cigarette smoking, which is a well-established risk factor for vascular disease. There is now sufficient evidence for recommendations for screening and advising on smoking cessation, as well as the use of pharmacotherapy for smoking cessation. A lot of the evidence summarized in a Cochrane Collaboration Systematic Review finding that brief physician advice to stop smoking led to clinically important increases in smoking cessation, and advice combined with pharmacotherapy increased cessation rates beyond advice alone. Thank you. You know, one of the things is, as, as mentioned before, there are 77 recommendations. And so we're jumping around a little bit. We talked about hypertension. We've talked about healthy behaviors. We're going to jump again and just to talk about the management of dyslipidemia. And I think it's important because we're quite different from our neighbors to the south and the Europeans on this. For dyslipidemia, the evidence continue to, continues to support Canada's treat-to-target model identifying people at risk and lowering their LDL levels. I'm so pleased as a nephrologist, for example, that patients with chronic kidney disease are now recognized as being at high cardiovascular risk with targeted LDL levels less than 2 millimoles per liter, or at least reducing the LDL by 50%. The Canadian approach helps to get the high-risk cardiovascular patients to the lowest risk possible. And by using a cardiovascular risk assessment, identifying people at low risk who do not even require pharmacotherapy. 
So that, that is a little bit of a change from some of the other guidelines. And I know that um, in the, the full guideline itself, you have a table where you describe what um, the differences between the sea change guideline and that of, of some of the other uh, guidelines around the world. Now, there are, um, there are tons of recommendations in here. We've already talked about that. But are there a couple of other recommendations that, that the two of you would like to, uh, our listeners to hear? Yeah, I'll, I'll jump in. Uh, there's a few that I'd like to mention. Uh, and in, in particular, for the first time, we've now added heart failure recommendations to sea change. And uh, that, that's been a very exciting process. Uh, one of the heart failure recommendations is the um, recommendation for uh, patients with reduced ejection fraction heart failure. And that is for the new class of agent, ARNIES, an angiotensin receptor antagonist nephrolysin inhibitor. And uh, that data came from the Paradigm study, which demonstrated an improvement in these patients. And we hope to see a reduction of readmissions to hospital for heart failure with the new therapy. Also, uh, for patients with non-valvular atrial fibrillation, uh, the role of the new oral anticoagulants uh, has now added people with heart failure, which, in addition to improving outcomes, has the added benefit for our patients of eliminating the need for inconvenient and uncomfortable INR monitoring. So we're going to, we'll have had a lot of uh, primary care practitioners listening to this podcast, and this guideline is targeted at them. So what are the most important considerations that you would like them to take away from this uh, updated guideline? I know the guideline represents a lot of work, and there's a lot of information in there. Uh, we have the, the synopsis in CMAJ, and we have the full guideline uh, available in a supplement. But what are the most important considerations that you want them to take away from this guideline? So I would say, you know, as family physicians and primary care providers, you know, we witness the increase in complexity and multiple comorbidities of the patients we care for every day in our clinics, in our hospitals, which makes practicing medicine even more challenging yet rewarding. And with a growing body of knowledge, staying up to date with latest evidence-based guidelines is undoubtedly challenging. You know, I really feel that the Sea change 2018 update in CMAJ does a great job in bringing together nine reputable partner guideline groups with the goal of providing all Canadian healthcare practitioners, including primary care, with an easily accessible, comprehensive, and usable set of harmonized guidelines to improve cardiovascular health outcomes. I would say that the general principles of preventing cardiovascular disease through healthy lifestyle behaviors, including diet, exercise, weight loss, salt reduction, smoking and alcohol cessation, and stress management, as well as optimizing vascular risk factors, including lipids, blood pressure, and blood glucose, remain unchanged and the cornerstone of cardiovascular health. More recent updates in this paper focus on providing new information related to screening, prevention, and treatment. For example, with respect to screening, best practice recommends home and ambulatory blood pressure monitoring for the diagnosis of hypertension, as well as lower blood pressure targets for patients at higher cardiovascular risk, as Sheldon mentioned with the SPRINT trial. There are a number of updated treatment strategies discussed in the paper, including the use of longer-acting medications or single-pill combinations in the management of hypertension, a newer medication class in the management of heart failure, the ARNIs, and the use of two newer classes of anti-hyperglycemic medications, the SGLT2 inhibitors and GLP-1 agonists, in patients with diabetes, 
and clinical cardiovascular disease. So really, the 2018 Sea Change Update targets primary healthcare practitioners like myself and is a great resource to find in one place the recommendations to manage our patients from a cardiovascular perspective with multiple comorbidities, whether it be diabetes, dyslipidemia, heart failure, or obesity. Thanks, Rahul, for that uh, very helpful summary. Sheldon, do you have any final thoughts that you'd like to share? Well, I, I believe that the 2018 Sea Change Guideline and all the partner guideline recommendations it is based on will help Canadian healthcare practitioners stay at the cutting edge of care, providing Canadians with up-to-date evidence to best improve their health and well-being, just as Rahul has described. I also feel that Sea Change helps Canadian interprofessional teams function more uniformly and reduces regional variations. In particular, this is important for our vulnerable populations, as everyone is working from the same high-quality information from coast to coast to coast. Yeah, I would say, you know, Sheldon and I, you know, we're just like many physicians in Canada, we're strong believers that medicine is a team sport with patients as captain of the team. It's always so rewarding when we place patients in the driver's seat and empower and excite them to take charge of their own health. The therapeutic relationship we have with our patients provides us a unique window of opportunity each time we interact with them to promote positive health behavior change, which can be achieved through education and role modeling at both an individual and population level. At Sea Change, we continue to have a number of exciting initiatives to help facilitate guideline implementation, including conferences and workshops, such as the annual Heart and Stroke Clinical Update in Toronto, as well as online tools on the Sea Change website, seachangeguidelines.com, and the College of Family Physicians of Canada Prevention in Hand e-learning program, which is Maine Pro accredited. I feel that healthcare providers in Canada continue to provide the excellent, compassionate care that they do. Initiatives such as Sea Change Update will allow us to continue staying up to date with evidence-informed best practice. Thanks, Rahul. You know, one of the things that I did appreciate very much about the guideline is the number of tools that are available and the opportunity that teams have to um, have this locally focused, so to, to be able to work on it in a way that will suit the population that the team serves. So really appreciated all that additional um, information that, that the Sea Change Group put together. Thank you both so much for, for joining me today to tell us about this very exciting and useful guideline. You're welcome. Thank you. I've been speaking with Dr. Sheldon Tobe, co-chair of the Sea Change Process, nephrologist at Sunnybrook Health Sciences Centre and professor of medicine at both the University of Toronto and the Northern Ontario School of Medicine, and to Dr. Rahul Jain, family physician and hospitalist at Sunnybrook Health Sciences Centre and assistant professor in the Department of Family and Community Medicine at the University of Toronto. To read the Sea Change Guideline they co-authored, visit cmaj.ca. If you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, we encourage you to subscribe to CMAJ Podcasts on Apple Podcasts or your favorite app. While you're there, you can browse and listen to our many past episodes and you can leave us a rating. I'm Dr. Diane Kelsall, Interim Editor-in-Chief for CMAJ. Thank you for listening. <music>